Canadians appear to have a blind spot when it comes to us and distracted driving. Yeah, apparently uh, people acknowledge that everyone does it except for them. They're the only person that does not drive distracted. And according to data from the Traffic Injury Research Foundation, distracted driving fatalities have surpassed those caused by impaired driving in some parts of Canada. Here to get more perspective on this, Robin Robertson, who is president and CEO of the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Kelly, for having me. So give us an idea of uh, where we are surpassing uh, fatalities from impaired driving with uh, distracted driving. Well, uh, currently we know that more than 300 people a year uh, are killed on the roads in Canada as a result of distracted uh, driving, which means approximately one in four fatal collisions uh, involve distraction, and, and that's a significant percentage. So distracted driving goes well beyond just a cell phone. I mean, I think that's what most people are thinking about. But could you also be distracted by your, you know, in-car features, you know, your your, uh, navigation systems, things like that? Yeah, exactly. So distracted driving is really anything that takes your eyes, your hands, or your mind off the task of driving. Uh, So we know that uh, there are technologies in the vehicle, um, which we attempt to use while we're driving, and the human-machine interface means the intuitiveness of them uh, sometimes doesn't always work well, and we end up spending more time looking at the technology than looking at the road, which creates a lot of risk. Um, there are a whole range of other behaviors that we see uh, in addition to cell phones. We see people eating, we see people grooming, we see people reading, we see people with pets on their lap. Um, all of those things can take your, your attention off the road for just two seconds. Uh, and the road environment can change a lot in that time, and, and that's when collisions happen. So 93% of participants who took a, a driving a survey about distracted driving by uh, Dejan Insurance said that they rarely or never drive distracted. By what you were saying, you know, people with pets on their laps, people grooming, people eating. Or do we just have a handful of people that are just all committing all of these offenses? Yeah, so the Desjardins survey was very uh, informative in um, pointing out that really people perhaps don't self-identify as being distracted. They may think that they're doing uh, a non-driving task for just a moment, so it's it's not risky. And yet we know that it is because of how quickly the road environment changes. So getting people to self-identify and recognize that some of those other tasks are also distraction, distracting and also create risk is really where we need to focus efforts. And how do we do that? Um, so one of the most powerful tools of behavior change that we have is actually our own behavior. So empowering uh, people to speak up when they see distraction, particularly if they're passengers uh, in a vehicle, and to say, I will take control of the phone. I will uh, be responsible for the navigation. I will um, stop talking when traffic becomes heavy and congested and complex. Um, we know, unfortunately, with distracted driving, that it's often the other road user on the on the road or in the vehicle who is likely to be killed as opposed to the distracted driver. Um, so just merely out of self-preservation, I think we all, we all can uh, take the time and the moment to just speak up and say something when you see those distracted drivers. I know that a conviction in Ontario of distracted driving results in a $615 fine plus a three-day suspension, and it, it increases uh, the more times you've been caught driving distracted. 
Do you think that the, you know, obviously this fine isn't working. It's pretty high. I mean, $615, that's a high fine. Do you think that uh, it's a question of, you know, people wouldn't, it wouldn't dawn on them. It wouldn't, they wouldn't even consider drinking and driving because they're distracted the whole time. But when you're talking about checking your cell phone in the back of people's minds is it's only for a second. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really the the misperception. Um, So fines and penalties are great and important piece of changing behavior, but it doesn't work for all people, Um, and particularly when people don't self-identify as being distracted. uh, The fines and penalties may not um, be as strong a motivator for a behavior change as we might think. But if you think about, for example, if you were driving down the road doing 100 kilometers an hour, and someone put their hands over your eyes for two seconds. Oh, you'd lose your mind. You would. You'd lose your mind, and you'd actually travel, you know, fifty-two meters, which is a, a heck of a distance. In that, uh, that's like red line to red line on a hockey rink. Um, so we would never think of doing that, and yet when we're distracted, that is actually what we're doing, um, taking our attention off the road. Do we? Th- do you think we have to face facts that we are addicted? We just don't like to acknowledge that we're addicted to our cell phones. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the question we really all need to ask ourselves is that uh, message on our phone or that distracting task, is that worth our life? But Robin, it's not even a, it's not even the case of a message sometimes. I mean, uh, I've seen people literally, I was talking to somebody who was checking their phone the other day and they were just surfing on their phone and they put it down and it was sitting in a room with them and they they said, oh, I got a little bit of an addiction. I think I, I, I'm not even looking at something. I just, yeah. and they picked it up after 20 seconds. And I thought to myself, okay, I watched this continuously happen. They put it down. They'd be 20 seconds. Then they'd pick it up. They'd look yeah. at it. They'd be surfing. There was no message. Nobody was trying to get their attention. Yeah. They could not deal without it in their hands. And I thought, what happens when you get behind the wheel? Yeah. Yeah, uh, sometimes it's uh, simply boredom uh, and people have that need to be connected. Um, but again, you really have to ask yourself, is that worth is that worth putting yourself at risk and putting others at risk? No one wants to live with the guilt of being responsible for someone else being injured or killed uh, as a result of, of something as, um, as silly as, you know, looking at a message on your phone. Do we have to get real? That. With advertising campaigns, I mean, really dark, the reality of what happens if somebody, you know, looks down at their phone for a second and their lives have changed, uh, not only for themselves, but for other people. You know, Kelly, um, there's a lot of interest in in those types of approaches, which we call fear-based campaigns. And the reality is, they're not super effective, particularly really? with younger not with younger audiences. Um, they're more effective with older women as opposed to older males. Um, and some of what can happen is people think that will never happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, particularly young people, they have that sense of invulnerability, uh, and they're, so they're not really afraid of dying. They're afraid of being injured, but they're not really afraid of of dying. And research um, pulls that out. So for that reason alone, it's the fear based campaigns that aren't aren't going to be the solution to this problem. I think really what we need to do is teach people to self-identify. And right. a perfect example is you could not watch TV and have a phone conversation at the same time. You either end up watching TV and ignoring the phone conversation or having the conversation and missing what's happening on TV because your brain literally can't do both. And I think we need to help people understand that and give them some 
practical examples to help them recognize that they simply cannot, you know, do a, a manual task and a cognitive task at the same time. I understand that cooperators have uh, sponsored Karen Bowman, who works with you guys, the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. She uh, comes in and, and does a, a series of presentations to kids about distracted driving at public schools. Now, these kids aren't even driving age, but she's going into students as young as grade six and letting them know they have rights as passengers. Tell us a little bit about that program and, and why you're hoping it would work. So the Drop It and Drive program um, that Karen runs through uh, through TURF is actually really about combining science and interactive exercises and stories as well as research and facts um, to, to help uh, young people put some of that information in context to make it memorable and most importantly to give them tools and skills that they can take home and share with their parents uh, and use to keep themselves safe on the road. So Cooperators has sponsored uh, Dyad going into schools, uh, particularly across southern Ontario, um, to really engage children and help them understand, yes, they certainly have rights as passengers, and they are an important piece of pushing that behaviour change. And do you, do you uh, give them... Uh, practical examples of of what to say if their parents are, you know, mom's on the phone driving you to soccer practice, things like that. How does that work? Yep. So uh, uh, some of the content in the presentation uh, are those conversations. So one of them, for example, is the field view study done by Transport Canada. And it shows a person's regular field of view, what they look at on the road when they're driving, when they're not distracted, and then how it shrinks by 50%. Um, so people are almost get tunnel vision and they see maybe what's directly in front of their vehicle, but they don't see the broader environment and potential hazards. So we uh, encourage children to take a picture of that slide and take it home and uh, show their parents and use that as a conversation starter um, about why it's important to avoid distractions on the road. Do you ever get, get any feedback back from the uh, parents? Um, so uh, we know that uh, uh, teachers, for example, um, are very receptive to the information and, and it's a, a learning for them, uh, but we know that schools have uh, taken the information and um, used that to encourage uh, distracted driving um, messaging out to, out to their community. Is the goal to get the kids young before they get their licenses so we don't have uh, future generations, uh, I guess, um, you know, engaging in the types of distracted driving practices that we are engaged in? Or is it to have one of your uh, most important uh, people in your lives say to you, hey, uh, I need you to think about me here. Put down that phone. A little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame from the kids. Yep, yep. Um, children are wonderful reminders of why it's so important to adopt safe habits, and there's nothing more compelling uh, or personally relevant than hearing that type of messaging so, from your children. So we certainly want younger generations to grow up knowing to, you know, keep their phone and keep distractions separate from the driving behavior, but we also want them to speak to parents and speak up to parents as to why it's so important um, to just to just pay attention when you're on the road so that when that road environment changes, you know, the the dump truck pulls out, there's a cyclist, um, there's traffic lights out, someone in front of you hits the brakes, that in that moment you are paying attention and you have the opportunity to avoid a collision instead of being involved in one. Robin, I want to thank you for your time.
It was good talking to you, Kelly. Have a great day. And hopefully uh, somebody listening right now has got a little bit of a wake-up call.